Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, I'd like to welcome each side of you guys to the daylight. Last week it was a little dark on each side. Welcome. Welcome. We got that fixed. We got that fixed. So, you guys are so funny. Let me tell you why you're funny. So, I intentionally maneuver the chairs around to freak all you guys out. So, right now, my attention deficit is going nuts and my OCD is going nuts because you are sitting right in the aisle. And I would be mad at you, but the problem is, is there's another one right behind you the same way. You guys all want to sit together, but I limit it to five chairs and I do it on purpose. Not because I have any special, I just want to mess with all you guys. It's so funny. What you really should see is, and you guys can't always see this, but if someone comes in late and they usually have their own space, they always like, they'll walk over that way and they'll look and they'll go. It's like, there's a bunch of chairs everywhere. You can sit wherever you want to sit. So, but no, it is really funny. And the Davis family is really funny about it. And I like picking on them. I love picking on them and I love them. They are the berry bleachers. They really are. So uh, if my OCD would allow me, I would put six on a row over here and just five over here. But I can't do that. I just can't do that. So listen, we're going through the book of John. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 35 today. John chapter 1, starting in verse 35 today. We're going through the book of John. Remember that John was the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, uh, that's how he's described. And John is answering the questions for Christians in ancient Ephesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels, which means they go in somewhat kind of somewhat of an order. John doesn't do that. He didn't include any of the biographical information with Christ. He just jumped right in. So make sure you guys, uh, um, make sure you guys realize that I told you they're separated into two parts. The book is separated into two parts. Chapters 1 through 12 is the book of signs. And chapters 13 through 21 is what we consider the book of glory, which is him giving his life over uh, for us and defeating death. And he wants to make sure you understand that. Now, here's the main focus. The main focus of the book of John is this. Found in John 20, verse 31, it says this. But these are written so that you may continue to what? Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by what believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. You will have life. And so what He's wanting you to understand is, is in order to have life, there has to be belief that Christ is the life giver. He's already explained that to you in a few ways of the verses we saw before. He's already explained that to you where he says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And he's let you know that the very creative process that God undertook, the hand of Christ is the one that did that creative process. And so he wants you to see that when you believe, you not only get eternal life, but you get life in the here and now. He, his, his presence, His Holy Spirit, um, His very being, His sacrifice, all of those things bring life to your life. And I want to tell you something. If you are the same way you were before you gave your life to Christ and you looked exactly the same, 
I would honestly doubt your salvation because for me, there was a significant change in what I would call my allegiance, in my uh, demeanor, in how I viewed the world. If you're still viewing the world, see, that's part of the problem today. Part of the problem is, is that the world wants, they want to view the world the way they want to view the world. And yet they want to claim to know Christ. And here's the thing. I believe they know about Christ, but I don't think they know Christ. Because knowing Christ means understanding and submitting and changing your life from the inside out. Are you with me? And that's what John is talking about. So today we're going to look at a cool verse. These verses are so cool. I love these verses of the scriptures, especially here in chapter 1, starting in verse 35. And here's what it says. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look. There is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. He said, what do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Now, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard John uh, said and what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And uh, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Peter, uh, Philip replied. As they approached Jesus, Jesus said, and this is a cool thing. We're going to look at this a little deeper in a minute. Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. What's going on here? Well, let me tell you what's going on here. In order to understand the calling of the disciples. You have to understand the culture and how these things came about. And there's some interesting little tidbits that you need to know. The first thing is, is that around the time of about 30 years old, usually around 30 years old, those that had been discipled and those that were to be rabbis, they would actually begin their teaching ministry around the age of 30. That's what they would do. Around the age of 30, they would begin their teaching ministries. And what would occur is, is that rabbis would be teachers and they would have disciples that would follow them. Are you with me? 
Those disciples were usually between the ages of about 13 and 16, around in that area. Not specific, but around in that area. And they would actually take the best of the best and the brightest of the brightest, and they would allow them to become their disciples. And the goal would be this. The goal would be that those that were being discipled by the rabbi, when they reached the age of around 30, they too would become a rabbi. And then they too would disciple. It was an educational format that they used. Now there's some interesting things to know as to the situation that we're looking at here. <clears throat> the first thing is this. The first thing is, is that probably, we, we probably think there's a strong possibility. We know Peter was for sure, but other other members of his discipleship team, there is a strong possibility that the majority of them had already been overlooked by other rabbis. Are you with me? They had been rejected by other rabbis because what they wanted, the rabbis wanted, is the brightest and, and, and the, the most astute and the most you know, well-spoken. They wanted the best of the best. And those young men that weren't chosen to be disciples would then go and they would do their trade. They would go back, for instance, with Peter and be a fisherman. They would go back. And so they would go back and they would have a job. And that's what they would do if they were not chosen for this special education. And so the first thing I want you to understand is this. When, when Jesus is calling these disciples, he is calling the rejects. Are you with me? He's calling the people that had been rejected. He's calling those that had probably already been turned away by other rabbis. That's the first thing that you need to understand that's going on and what's playing out in this scenario. Now, when I say that they would follow the rabbi, they would following morning, night, they would literally, because they were waiting for wisdom that would come from the rabbi so that they could record that wisdom and they could use that as knowledge for whenever they would become rabbi. So, when I say they followed him everywhere, they even followed him to the potty. They really did. It was obnoxious, but they did. And so there's some interesting things that go on. So when you see a scenario where Jesus is sitting down and the disciples are gathered around him, that's what they would do as disciples of the rabbi. That's what they would do. And so that's the scene that we're looking at whenever he's calling these specific people. And I know for a fact they were specific for a reason. And we could deep dive into that another time of the type of person and the type of people that Jesus called. We simply don't have time uh, for that today. That is the conversation that's being had here in these verses. But there's some interesting things that I want you to see so we're going to deep dive into a couple of them. And here's the first thing I want you to see. The first thing I want you to see is, is that pointing leads to following. And so let's look at this. Pointing leads to following. So last week I told you guys <clears throat> that at the end of the service I said, listen, we need to be an arrow that's pointing to God. We need to be an arrow. Your walk should be an arrow that points to God. As a matter of fact, I told you this. I said, I want my own life. I want my own life to point in Jesus in such a way that it's changed the way I act. 
I wanted to point to Jesus in the way I love people, in the way I react to others, in the way I conduct my business, in the way I treat my family, in the way I spend my money, in the way the things that I value, in the sacrifices that I make, and on and on and on. In my commitment to the, to the body of believers called the church. And I told you we have been bought with a price. But let's take a look at John chapter one again, verse 35 and 36. It says this, it says the following day, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. And what did John do whenever Jesus came by? He pointed and said again, look, there is the lamb of God. But the most important part that I want you to see is found right after that. Right after that. Verse 37 says, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. John the Baptist is pointing. And those that were with him are now following. Can I tell you something? Your pointing to Jesus should lead to others following Christ. I want you to hear that. Your pointing should lead to others following Christ. I was 17 years old and I was getting ready to be a senior in high school. I was actually between my junior and senior year and I was told I was getting ready to go. It was, I was actually, it was December, January of my junior year. And I was told, I came from a school in Ohio. I was in Ohio for three years. I was a missionary up there, I didn't know it. I actually wasn't a missionary, I wasn't even saved, but uh, I was up there. Uh, and I came from a school that was ninth through 12th. It was, they had a grand total of 237 students. Total, ninth through 12th. Are you with me? Uh, Three-story old building uh, about five or six years ago, um, whenever, whenever Wendy was in Israel, I took my son and we did a road trip up, to, up north. And I took him by the town and I took him by the school that I attended. It's no longer a school anymore. It's like some other kind of building. But I attended that school. And I showed him where I played football. I showed him the whole thing. But I'll never, never forget moving from that school down to Jackson, Tennessee. Because Jackson, Tennessee, back in the day, they had uh, 10th through 12th grade. There was 1,400 students there. And listen, I don't know if you remember your high school. Maybe your high school was huge. But, you know, for me, for me being, you know, 51 right now, back in the day whenever I was 17, 18 years old, that's a big school. That's a huge school back in the day. And so they kept telling me, they kept saying, hey, look. I don't know if you're going to be okay here. You know, maybe, you know, maybe you should go to a private school. I knew that was going to be out because my mom and dad could not afford a private school. Um, and I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'll be fine. They said, well, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. And they even told us, well, maybe you should move back to where y'all lived before and you could, your dad could commute. And I told my mom and dad, I said, whatever, I'm not going to struggle. I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. You, I'm going to school. And so I did go to school. And one of the first things, one of the first people I met was this girl who, was super nice, and, and I ended up befriending her, and we ended up being really good friends, still friends to this day. And I actually got invited over to her house, and it was amazing because I had no knowledge. Like, when I say no knowledge, I had zero knowledge of, of the Scriptures. I had no knowledge of Jesus. I literally did not know who Jesus was. So, like, I had no knowledge. Uh, I thought that Easter was the Easter Bunny and solid 
bunnies. And I thought that Christmas, I thought that Christmas was, was for, for, for Santa Claus and gifts. I had no con, I have no concept. Now I've told you this before. I would pray at night to God and I would pray, but I had no idea, any concept about Jesus being the son and about his, his saving grace. I had no concept. And so when I went over there and her dad was a really good cook and I started, uh, it was really, it was a really good cook. He grilled these fish and I'd never really eaten grilled fish before because when it was in the South and where I was from, we were river rats. And so we don't know anything about grilled fish. We eat fried catfish. Are you with me? Uh, grilled fish was something that uppity folks did. Okay. And so, but I had fried catfish and so, but he had this, um, this grilled fish. Uh, it was orange roughy, which I found interesting. I, it was really good and I thought it was good. And, and they ate baked taters too. Aaron, am I going to stop this train? Anyway, they ate baked taters too. And uh, so, so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, right after dinner, they open up the Bible and it was awkward for me. And so I just kind of went over and sat on their, on their kitchen counter and just sit there and listened. And they talked and stuff. And I sit there and joked around with my friend. And they just kept talking about the scriptures. And so I found, you know, I said, man, that's kind of interesting. And so I was invited to come over again. And I listened. And then finally they invited me to church. And I listened. Uh, and then they invited me to come to Sunday school. And I listened. And over a two and a half year period, uh, they taught me about Jesus. But they didn't teach me about Jesus by literally teaching me what the Bible said, per se. They did teach me what the Bible said. But more than anything, they showed me what the Bible said with their own lives. They pointed toward Jesus. And so today, I stand before you, I stand before you being someone who was pointed to Christ. And because I was pointed to Christ, I then followed Christ. And I'm here now trying to point to, to Jesus for you. Are you with me? And you need to be trying to point to Jesus for those that Jesus and God put in your circle. That's what we did for two and a half years they pointed. Matthew 28, 19, we all know this verse. 28, 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's keep that up there. That part there says, go and make disciples of all nations. Listen, a better translation of that would be, would be, therefore, as you go, as you go. It's, it's not something that, that is like, hey, if you decide to go on a mission trip, when you go over there, do that. It's not that at all. It's as you go, as you live your life, as you live your life, make disciples of those that are around you as you live your life, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As we live our lives, that's what we're supposed to be doing. As we go, you should see a stream. You should see a stream around you of people that you have discipled and that people that you have shown Christ. If you don't have anyone around you that you are showing Christ, I will tell you, I don't believe you're going to experience the abundant life that God has for you. Because for me, part of the abundant life, the whole part of the abundant life is not what I get. It's what I get to experience with God using me in other people's lives. And that is where I find my value. And that is where I find my joy. And that is where I find my peace is in being used by God other people. My question to you is, is are you doing that? Are people, ask yourself this question, are people experiencing God? 
Are they experiencing the Lord Jesus Christ because you exist? Because of your attitude? Because of your following Christ? Are they experiencing are they experiencing that because of that? Those are the things that you need to ask yourself. Because I want to tell you something. Why is that so important? Well, it's important to me because something happened to me whenever I experienced the Lord Jesus Christ. And I submitted to and gave my life over to him. And here's what happened. The second thing I want you to see is this. Is that when you follow, following leads to identity change. I want you to see that. Following leads to identity change. If you have had no identity change since you started following Christ, I think you're just taking a walk. Are you with me? If you have not had an identity change since you started following Christ, I think you're just taking a walk. Now, I want to show you this verse in verse 42. It says, Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And basically he said, look, here's what I'm going to do. Your name was Simon, but I'm, but I'm going to call you Peter now. Your name was Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. Now, what does that mean? Well, Simon means the one who hears. That's what the, word, that's what the name of Simon meant, the one who hears. But you know what Peter means? It means the rock. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I want you to understand something. What I'm going to do is, is I'm going to take you from the one who hears and I'm going to take you from the one who hears and I'm going to make you the rock that I'm going to build a foundation on. I'm going to build a foundation on. Now we've seen this. We've seen this. If you've studied the scriptures, you've seen this somewhere else. And where else have we seen it? Well, one example I can think of is in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. Remember the book of Daniel? What occurred? Let me tell you what occurred. So Nebuchadnezzar comes and occupies and he, they, take, they take captive the people of Israel. And here's what they did. They said, he said, I want the brightest, sharpest young men. And so he took these young men. <clears throat> there were four of them. He took these young men that we know about. And we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. That's who we know them as. But the reality is, is that, is that for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those weren't their Israelite names. Here's what Nebuchadnezzar did. Nebuchadnezzar took, he took their Israelite names and discarded them. And he gave them pagan names. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are actually pagan names. And what were those names? They were all names that were directed at pagan gods. But their name formerly, their Israelite names were not directed at pagan gods. They were directed in the one true living God. And so their very name glorified God here. Nebuchadnezzar said the first thing I need to do is change their name and when I change their name, then they will then begin to submit and to serve these pagan gods. Can I tell you what the enemy does for you and I? Whenever people are attacked by the enemy, the first thing that the enemy does is try and change 
your identity. He gives you names and maybe, listen, maybe growing up you were given names that were not the intent of, maybe growing up you had names. Maybe your name was failure. Maybe your name was defeated. Maybe your name was loser. Maybe your name, and I could go on and on and on and on. And here's what happens. We label ourselves, and when we label ourselves, we end up operating in that name, even though we're supposed to have experienced and we're supposed to have taken on what the Bible calls a new life, a new image, a new name. But oftentimes we live in the old name because it's what we are most familiar with. And what Jesus did for Peter is he came and said, listen, I understand who you have been. But from this day forward, you're the rock. You're the rock. You're going to be the foundation, he tells him eventually. You're going to be the foundation. That's going to be, that's going to be your new name. Jesus gave us a new identity in Isaiah 53, 5. He says this, he says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten, here it is, so that we could be whole. That's one of your new names, whole and fulfilled. He was whipped so that we could be what? Healed. That's one of your new names. The next, the next scripture I want to show you is in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, so you also are what? Complete. That means you lack nothing. You are complete through what? Not because you're good, not because you're awesome, not because you're this or that, not because you were born in this family or that family. Complete through your union because you are connected with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You are connected with Christ, so you are complete in Him. John 14, 27, and we'll look at this eventually when we get to it. It says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the, listen, the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot take. Your name is one with not, not, not with anxiety, but with peace, with wholeness, with completeness. Romans 8, we all know this verse. Romans 8, verses 35 through 37 says, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Can anything? Does it mean that, that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened or with death? Here's what he says. He says, as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And then verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through what? Through our hard work? No, through, through all the things that we do? No, through Christ who loved us. We are victorious over the pull of sin, not because of what we did, but because of what Christ did. And that is the name that you should walk in. Because from this point forward, Peter walked in the name Peter. And that's how you know him, not as Simon. And so from this point forward, you too should walk in the name that God has given you the new identity he has given you. I want to encourage you to stop letting your old identity run your life. Listen, mama may think you're that way. Daddy may think you're that way. 
But it doesn't matter what mom and daddy think. It matters what Christ thinks. And the plan and purpose, if you want to have, if you want to believe and live, then walk in the identity that he's given you, the new identity. The final thing I want you to know is this, is that following leads to fullness of life. There is a fascinating dynamic that's going on here with Nathaniel. And I want to go ahead and read it to you. John 1, 47. It says, as they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. So I want you to understand something. So if you look at these scriptures, there's some things you can devise from it. The first thing I want you to know is, is this. When you see, when you see someone sitting under a fig tree in the scriptures, it is a, it is a, a sign and it is a, it is a, your immediate thought should be that they are sitting under the fig tree and they are contemplating or studying or thinking that they are in contemplative, they, they, are, they are like we do when we meditate. They are meditating on God. They are thinking about God. They are focusing on the scriptures. When you see that, that's what you should immediately see. And so what we see here is Nathaniel under the fig tree and he's contemplating and he's thinking. And then we see Jesus call out to him. And what he said was something that was done on purpose. Now, you may think, well, Jesus was kind of ticked off because he said nothing good can come out. Nothing good can come out uh, of Nazareth. No, that's not it at all. And Jesus wasn't being snarky. What Jesus was doing was, was he was speaking forward and said, there is someone. And, and the word, I want to make sure you understand the word because it's not, it's not really a good translation in the New Living Translation. It's, it really means someone with complete integrity. It means that there's no deceit found in them. There's no guile found in them. There's no deceit and no guile. But to fully understand what Jesus is talking about here. And I personally, this is not something that you can prove. I personally think Jesus is not only telling him where he was sitting at under the fig tree. I think by his example that he's going to give here. I think he's also telling him what he was thinking. And here's what I believe he was thinking. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 12. Genesis 28 says this. Meanwhile, Jacob, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. And sundown he arrived at a good place to set up, set up camp and stop there for the night. And Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and to lay down to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. So Nathaniel is thinking about that. He walks forward. What does Jacob mean? One who deceives. Jacob in the scriptures, that's why his name was changed to Israel. Jacob in the scriptures means one who's deceived, who, who deceives people. Nathaniel, thinking about that text of going up and down, hears about Jesus, comes to him. And the first thing Jesus says to him is, is there comes a man who does not deceive. There comes a man there's no, there's no guile in. A true, a true Israelite. And suddenly you can think Nathaniel will be kind of thrown back. And then we look at one, verse 51. 
Because he says, then I say, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down a ladder. No. On the son of man. The one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. Jesus is saying, Nathaniel, I saw you there. I knew what you were thinking. And as you were coming here, I wanted you to know, unlike Jacob, you don't have that in you. And I want you to understand something. You may have been thinking about a staircase going between heaven. You may have been thinking about that scriptures, but I want you to know something. I am the staircase. Eventually, later on, we see him say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. And Nathaniel being shook, being shook. And Jesus said, I want you to understand something. If you think that me telling you what you were thinking and what you were, what you, where you were at, if you think that's something, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. And I would tell you this. I really believe I really believe that if there is any disappointment in heaven, I've, I believe it will be you and I being disappointed that we way, way, way underestimated the fullness of life that God wanted us to have. I think some of us are going to go, man, why did I worry about that stuff? Man, why did I do that? Why did I allow that, that trickery to happen? Why did I allow the enemy to do that? Man, we're going to be joyous that we're there. But part of me kind of thinks, you know, God's saying, you think everything's great now? Man, you ain't seen nothing yet. And Jesus lived that out because the truth of the matter is, is these disciples at that point, they hadn't seen nothing yet. And I would tell you in your life, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you. Lord, we underestimate you so much. We underestimate your, God, just your, uh, we underestimate your power. We underestimate your plan for us. We underestimate the life that you give us. We underestimate so many things. God, we know that whenever we give our lives over to you, we know that you give us a new name. But God, oftentimes we operate in that old system, that old name. We operate in those names that the enemy gives us like defeated and failure and loser and, and whatever other names that have been heaped on us. We operate in those names. And so God, what we do is we end up focusing more on those names than we do the names that you've given us like forgiven, whole, complete, healed. God, we, we, we need to really focus our minds on you more, God, and connect with you so that we can understand that your whole being is a sacrifice for us so that we do not have to experience the death that comes with those names. God, let us be people, because of our new names, let us be people that focus and point to you 
And as we do that, may there be more people that experience God in real life and that experience your, your touch and that follow you because not because we're some kind of super Christian, but because of the life that you have given us and the direction that you've taken us. God, I just pray today that you would do what only you can do. And that's touch us in a way and teach us the ways to walk. And God, as we do walk in it, we will be very careful to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and have our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.